Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. The next guest and I actually bonded over our love for Animal Crossing New Horizons on Nintendo. He actually came to our prom that we put on and everything, but his account actually has really started to change my life. As somebody trying to learn more about their anxiety, untangle it a little bit, and even find strength in it, I felt this was maybe a really exciting opportunity to dive into our anxiety a little bit more. This isn't the first time we've talked about anxiety on the podcast before. In the past, we've talked about owning your anxiety. Today, we're talking about untangling it. And I'm really excited to dive into what that means. Joshua Fletcher is the author of Untangle Your Anxiety. When you read the book's description, it says, do you struggle to understand your anxiety? Are your days often consumed by worries that have no clear answers? Perhaps you don't feel like your usual self. Untangle Your Anxiety was written by psychotherapist and best-selling author Joshua Fletcher, aka Anxiety Josh, and the owner of Instagram's largest anxiety community, Dean Scott, to help you overcome excessive anxiety. Having both been diagnosed in the past with anxiety disorders, then successfully overcoming them, Josh and Dean have written this honest and powerful self-help book as a reassuring aid in your own recovery. The reviews on this speak for themselves, and I am very, very excited to bring him on. So please welcome my friend, Joshua Fletcher, aka Anxiety Josh. Okay, well, welcome to the pod, Joshua. Uh, we've This is our first time like actually chatting and hanging out and not just being on Animal Crossing Island. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to snap away from our addictions and listen to me pretend I know about anxiety. You do know about about anxiety. You do. How did you get into zoning in on anxiety being your thing? Oh, straight in. Straight Um, straight went right there. I used to be a primary school or elementary school teacher. See what I did there? I made it cross-continentally friendly. Uh, I used to work with seven to nine-year-old children, and I used to work with children with emotional behavioral difficulties. And that kind of was my first step into psychology. 
But interestingly, what happened when I was there is like I took a giant leap into psychology by developing an anxiety disorder whilst working there. And what basically what happened was I had, a, in air quotes, a nervous breakdown. And I developed all these strange symptoms, scary what-ifs. I felt detached from reality. I suddenly didn't feel like my usual self. I felt sick. My thoughts were racing. I mean, in hindsight, I know that was a panic attack now. And that made me pretty poorly unwell for many months. Uh, and I didn't know what was happening to me. I thought I was going crazy. I never even heard of the anxiety. <clears throat> well, I've heard the word anxiety, but I thought it meant like exam anxiety or first date stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that worry kind of feeling or like that butterfly nervousness. Yeah, no, no. But, but I, one day at work for no reason, I was making a cup of tea. And as I was doing it, I was just hit by the sense of dissociation, this detachment. I was like, whoa. And I looked at people's faces and I was like, whoa, it's really common symptom people have. Uh, I just felt really detached. Didn't feel like I felt like I was in a simulation. Obviously, I took this really lovely group of sentences to my doctor. And as I was trying to explain to him what I was experiencing, he looked at me and was like, yeah, um, you're crazy. <laughs> I'm going to refer you on. And, and I went round and round uh, being referred, thought I was crazy until... One day I realized it's just anxiety and it's actually a development of an anxiety disorder properly. And that's what I do now. I, I educate. I, that's how I got into it. I studied, did a master's at university, became a psychotherapist and educate people on that because I didn't have anyone to tell me. So it took me quite a long time to recover. And I, I'm basically trying to do that for other people. Now, let's break down anxiety in terms of like your own maybe interpretation. I don't know if there's like textbook kind and then there's just like social kind, like what we perceive as anxiety because there's, I think we throw it around now and it feels like everyone's anxious. To be honest, I kind of think maybe everyone is, but then it's really hard to identify, am I struggling with anxiety or is this just worry that everybody kind of has? Is this just what it is to be an adult or what it is to be a human? When do we know that it's like, maybe not, maybe it's something more. When, when do we know that it's maybe time to seek help? Brilliant question. Yeah, I split it into two initially. You can have, con well, the first one is conventional outwards anxiety. So this is the stuff that everyone gets. Yeah, I'm worried about my job, my relationship, um, the, the future maybe. Uh, I'm worried about being a parent. I'm worried about finances. I'm worried about whatever, an upcoming appointment. And that is anxiety that we all have. That's okay. But the second type of anxiety is inwards disordered anxiety. And this is the stuff where we experience panic, fear of fear, misinterpreting that fear. You know, like, whoa, you know, a bit like when I was, when I was struggling before, I was like, whoa, suddenly what's going on here? When we Googling our symptoms because we're afraid, when we experience strange sensations that we've never had before, uh, like a pounding heart, when we, for people that really struggle with it, it's when their whole day is dictated by a sense of fear and, and un unease. And then they worry about that sense of fear and unease. Also, it comes with an, an abundance of what if thoughts. Like, oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? Whatever. And they're all fun. They're all horrendous what ifs. They're not like... I call that catastrophic thinking. You call it intrusive thoughts, right? Uh, sometimes, you know, it is catastrophic thinking. Cat well, ca catastrophizing. Intrusive thoughts usually come with a spicy flavor to it. Like, what if I kill my kids? What if oh, okay, I secretly okay. don't love my husband? What if I want to do that? And they're just thought that they're pretty much the same thing. But I, uh, I do categorize them, so I think categorizing is really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but, so there's the two differences. And in, in disordered anxiety, you've got people with panic disorder who avoid things because they're afraid of panicking. You've got people with health anxiety who constantly seeking reassurance about their health and it dictates their day. 
OCD, people with intrusive thoughts and obsessive behaviors that dictate their life. Social anxieties, people who avoid social situations or use emotional crutches. You've got loads, but that's all under the side of disordered anxiety. So when people say, oh, I've got anxiety too, you've got to go, what kind of anxiety is it? Can you relate to mine? The next time somebody says that your outfit is trashy, say thank you. Girlfriend Collective turns old plastic bottles, fishing nets, and other waste into clothing you'll never want to throw away. And when you feel confident, you feel like you can do it all. And who says you can't? Whether you're running, biking, doing yoga, swimming, or sitting on the couch, or chasing after kids like I am, Girlfriend Collective has clothes you feel your best in no matter what you're doing. Girlfriend Collective is sustainable, ethically made activewear for everyone. They make cute, comfortable bras, leggings, shorts, tanks, tees, swimsuits, and more. And their sizing is inclusive, ranging from an extra, extra small to a 6XL. Their best-selling leggings are squat-proof, meaning that when you do a squat, you are not going to see your underwear showing through it. They come with pockets and have different levels of support, whether you need compression or comfort. And like I said, they use recycled materials to make their clothing and their shipping is 100% recyclable as well. Also, Girlfriend Collective has a garment take back program called Regirlfriend. So once you're done loving your pieces a long time from now, of course, send them back to be upcycled into new girlfriend gear. You can join the collective today. And for listeners of this show, Girlfriend Collective is offering $25 off your purchase of $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash papaya. That's $25 off $100 or more when you go to girlfriend.com slash papaya. One more time so it's in your brain, girlfriend.com slash papaya. Let's get back to today's show. Do you want to start a company but have no idea where to begin? Or do you have dreams of becoming an influencer? Well, the Life with Mariana podcast is here to help. I'm Mariana Hewitt, a Los Angeles-based influencer and co-founder of the Clean Skincare line, Summer Fridays. Each Tuesday, I'm talking to my friends from business owners, wellness experts, and more to share all of their best advice for you to live your best life. Make sure to tune in and subscribe to my podcast and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what's coming up each week so you don't miss an episode. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. And I've always been confused about this because I feel like for myself, there's the ones where I'm like, I'm really worried about these things. And I don't know why I feel maybe some of these catastrophic thinking about like, why, what if everybody hates me tomorrow? A lot of these types of thoughts, but then there's the other side. And I don't even know if it's anxiety, but every time I talk to people, they seem to be just as confused as I am. So I'm just going to straight up ask you, sometimes I'll get what feels like symptomatic anxiety where it's like your heart is racing you feel really disjointed. You feel, I honestly can't function the same way. And I'm like, it's like I'm panicking, but I have nothing to put it to. And people will be like, well, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. I just know that my heart is racing and I'm almost like stuck. It's like an elephant's on your chest and you can't, I can still move without my day. It feels like high functioning. But every time I talk to people about it, they're like, oh yeah, I, I've had that. No idea what that is. Oh, it's an easy one. So that symptomatic, I like that. It's um, your threat response is going off um, when you don't really want it to, and that's okay. And so when you when your threat response goes off, you do have the you feel on edge, your heart rate increases, you feel you your reality is slightly distorted. Your 
digestion's off, you probably have butterflies feeling in your stomach and loads of racing thoughts. What if? What we tend to do is look for why and so uh, and root causes. And sometimes that's true, but in the majority of cases, it's not. That kind of anxiety is actually the inward disorder anxiety that I was telling you about before. And inward disorder anxiety is stuff that we kind of have to decide whether we want to leave leave alone or not. And in the most cases that we do. Now, the re- a good way to understand uh, to overcome it is to understand why it's happening. Now, I have a theory that's always that, and at least I believe it's right, and because I have an ego, I will go with that. And the theory is that when we take on lots of stress, and this applies to you and anyone listening, we've we've only got a finite amount of emotional resources to keep on to, to, to tolerate stress. So I always imagine like a jug or a flask or something. So you could have your job in there, pour it in. It's all right. It's not going to cause your threat response to go bananas. Then you're a parent, so that goes in there too. Then you're also in a relationship, and that goes in there too. Then maybe you're worried about something, worried what people think, and that goes in there too. Then maybe perhaps you've had a past where there's been some unprocessed stuff, some trauma or grief or abuse, that goes in there too. Then let's say there's this worries about your esteem and how you're perceived, that goes in there too. But this jug and this flask only has a finite amount of resources. And when it starts to hit the top and starts to overflow, our brains, our threat response, and more specifically the amygdala in our brain, which is the reptile brain, we're all reptiles, that takes over. And what happens when that takes over, it just releases a lot of adrenaline and cortisol. And that's what you're feeling when you have those days. You'll go like, wow, I don't know why I'm anxious. Actually, there probably isn't a specific cause. But that stress jug is overflowed, 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 overflowed. And then maybe something really trivial triggered it. Maybe you're getting the baby ready in the morning or something, or you've read a a nasty email or someone's Mm. done something. It wasn't that specifically, but that was the straw that broke the proverbial camel's back. Uh, The (laughs) the proverbial camel, keep that in there, don't edit out. It's terrible. (laughs) And, uh, uh, And when it overflowed, your brain trying to protect you because it doesn't understand stress is going, have some cortisol there, have some adrenaline there, just in case you're in danger. And that's why I was stood there at the breakfast table with a heart pounding going, wow, I feel this way. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Because that's that's often the problem is like, we do chase that why. We want to know what is what is causing it because we do have this, if we know what's happening, then we can at least figure it out. And a lot of times, the last time I had a really bad instance of it, I was just about, it was before COVID actually, when I had a really bad episode of it. And I was literally just about to go to the gym. I was about to walk out the door. And all of a sudden I was like, I can't, I feel like I can't breathe. And my husband's like, oh, why? What's going on? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, did something happen? I'm like, no. Are you okay? Are you feel fine? I'm like, yeah, I feel fine. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And then my best friend, she, she came over as well and was like, are you like, what, what's wrong? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. It's Nothing's just wrong. there. It's and an so anxiety it made, Yeah. It just made <laughs> me feel so, well, I'm like, it feels like anxiety, but like I'm talking like I'm talking now where it's just, but inside of me feels like I can barely, barely breathe. So that really does make sense because I think I've really struggled with the fact that, and I know so many do, where we feel the, almost the feelings of anxiety, but don't have a place to place it. And there you don't you know really know how to move forward. When things like that happen, is the best thing to just kind of chill out? Do you lean into it? Like what? <laughs> when you've got like almost like whenever people talk about walking pneumonia, I always feel like that's how I am with like walking anxiety. I, I have it. I can push through it. I can keep going, but it doesn't always, it doesn't feel right when your heart is racing to kind of push through. What is your kind of thoughts on 
this kind of push through mentality when it comes to mental health? I don't like the word push. If I do, it's encourage. Pushing is, is of the school of the disciplinarian parent. That's something that doesn't help with anxiety. When we're anxious, we actually want to be soothed. We actually want compassion. And that apply, that should apply to ourselves too. But I, I see what you mean. If that happens and I'm off to the gym, for me, what doesn't help is all these narratives about feelings and emotions and stuff. But I'm a psychotherapist, so I'm trained in several modalities. One modality will say, lean into the feelings, tell, listen to what your body's telling you, whatever. For this occasion, I wouldn't. I'd be like, that's just your body saying, in fact, it probably is telling you something. It's saying, you know that, you know that jug that Josh was ranting on about before? That's full stop. Because if you're, if you're someone who's constantly saying, I should, I should, I should, you've constantly got to-do lists, you're constantly, you, you feel guilty if you stop and things like that. And then anxiety will look out for you and go, you've had no time for you. It's always everyone first. And what will happen is I'm going to start releasing adrenaline and cortisol to try and to get you to stop. So actually, maybe, we're only speculating, but maybe you're on the way to the gym. Is that a coincidence? Maybe not. Maybe it's like you don't need to do all the exercise right now. Maybe you need to sit and rest or whatever it was. But yeah, it, you've got to be careful. If there's a specific trigger, then you've got to look at maybe what the trigger is. But if the trigger isn't obvious, then we kind of treat it like disordered anxiety and be like, well, yeah, my threat response has just decided to go bananas. Now I can thank it by giving it all my attention, looking for reassurance and asking people why I'm feeling this way. Or I can say, okay, my threat response is going off. I don't want it to go off in the future, so just let it be there. I use the term willful tolerance, and it's my favorite. And I've done all the research, loads of books, done all that, read all the rubbish books, all the great books. Willful tolerance is my favorite phrase because it's like, I don't like this happening, but I'm going to willfully tolerate it. I don't, I'm not going to accept it. I mean, I don't like the word accept either. Like, I accept that I feel like rubbish. No, I don't. No one, <laughs> what a paradox. No one yeah. accepts that they feel like rubbish. For that type, when you're off to the gym, it's, it's more like, I'm just going to willfully tolerate that. And if I notice a trigger in the future, then maybe I'll look at it. Skillshare is an online learning community that offers membership with meaning. There's so much to explore, real projects to create, and the support of fellow creatives. Skillshare actually empowers you to accomplish real growth. Right now, I am digging this new course that I started taking, which you would think that I would know everything about, but there is always more to learn. I'm taking the course called iPhone Photography, Make Your Pictures Stand Out. The course is taught by Maria Papandipulo. And so far, I cannot believe that even me, who has been in the game of taking iPhone photos for the last almost a decade, still has so much to learn. And why not level up your game at every moment you can? So whether you're a dabbler or a pro, a hobbyist or a master, you're a creative. Discover what you can make with classes for every skill level. You're going to experience real improvement with hands-on projects and classes designed for real life. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. Think about this. These are classes that actually level up whatever you're doing, whether it's your creative, whether it's your work, or whether it's your offer, something you offer into your workplace or something that you no longer have to delegate because you now know how to do it yourself. You can explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash papaya, and you're going to get a one month free trial of a premium membership. That's one month of a premium membership at skillshare.com 
slash papaya. I hope you check it out. The classes are so much fun. You learn so much in them. And I just have such a heart for creatives. And so I hope you check them out and and level up your own creativity today. Let's get back to today's show. I kind of have to ask this too, because it seems to me like there is a rise in instances of anxiety and mental health disorders in general. But I was talking to my mom about it the other day, and I just wondered in the sense of our history and the fact that it has been taught to us or like our grandmothers, for instance, very much had this like, you just eat your feelings you keep your mouth shut, stiff upper lip. These are like normal things. Like there wasn't a lot of forms of allowances when it came to expressions of mental health, but I don't know that they didn't exist. Do you think that because of the age we're in now and social media and the rise of this, do you think that we're having a surge of mental health issues because of all of these things? Or do you think that we're just finally talking about it? Because I just wonder that, do you know, like, I know we're speculating, but as somebody who's been working in it, I just wonder because I find now, even with teenage kids, for instance, they're very good at identifying. Like, I think I'm anxious. I think I'm feeling this, or I I feel a little bit down or depressed today. And I was like, I didn't even understand those things when I was a kid, but they have so much more access to information now. They have very different narratives. I I talk openly about it. There's very different things. It's a lot more positive to, to discuss mental health now than it was perhaps even a decade ago. But in your work, and if we were to speculate, do you think that there is kind of like the surge happening right now? Yeah, I I think it's it's a lot easier to talk about it. So you on one side of, of, of the coin, you've got people coming forward, and that would contribute to our perception of it being more prevalent. I know for a fact since um, the pandemic started that people's anxiety has gone through the roof. Uh, me and my colleagues, all my therapy colleagues, like there's actually a, a scarcity of therapists. I've uh, heard that. Prior, yeah, because of but obviously when when you have like a kind of once and once in a lifetime event like a pandemic, that's quite that's quite natural. Uh, it's nice for people though to feel like they can come out and get help. I don't think it's mental health is an epidemic. I just think it's actually, it's always been there. I think we're, it's more comfortable to talk about it now. We've still got a long way to go. I mean, I live in the UK. Any tourist goes to London in the London. I don't live in London. I live in a better city, Manchester. But if any tourist goes to London, they'll find in all the tat shops, you've got cups with this phrase, keep calm and carry on. And I swear, I hate that phrase so much. And hate is a strong word, and I'm using it sincerely. <laughs> it's things like that that contribute to emotional conservatism, which is still revered. Like you said, stiff upper lip, which is really good. Look, like, oh, I don't show my feelings, which was helpful, by the way. I don't want to come down on it too harsh. In the UK or wherever, there was a world war, and that kind of mentality was helpful to win a world war. But we're not in a world war now. We need to kind of talk about these things a bit more openly. It's what I do in my work. I mean, I even recorded myself having an anxiety attack walking around Manchester with people around, you know, and uh, that's something that how many people find me actually. They're like, there's a guy who recorded his anxiety attack. And it wasn't about to show people how to overcome an anxiety attack. Half of it was just to show, hey, look, it's okay to talk about it. So yeah. I don't know, we are speculating, but I think it's a positive mix of people coming forward. We're erasing those narratives of emotional conservatism, but we're also in a pandemic and everyone is absolutely um, bananas. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I mean, we're all, we're all in it and we're all experiencing it the same and so, so differently. So I, I do think that that kind of set aside does obviously have an impact. Before we get into kind of the notion of untangling your anxiety, I want to kind of touch on this because I think it's one of my favorite posts that you've ever written. And you said, it baffles me that anxiety can be rewarded as some as a sign of weakness. Anxiety is literally fear. If you're anxious and choose to continue to live life, even in the face of ever-present fear, then surely this is courage. Living with anxiety is courageous, not weakness. That post went pretty, it got shared a lot. And I think that this is kind of the point where I really love your page because you take anxiety and you allow it to be seen but you also allow it to kind of live in the lens of this is not a negative thing, but it also can be a negative thing. So it's almost like this mix of both. When it comes to how you feel towards anxiety, do you feel like there's so many of us that feel crippled by anxiety? We feel like almost like when's the other shoe going to drop if you have a good life? If you if your health is good, you believe it will be bad. There's also, you know, the data, will I ever have it? There's some people who struggle. Will I ever have a normal job? It can be really weird to think or, or even relationships, right? To conceive that with anxiety, you can live these big full lives because it feels like you constantly, like you're talking about filming yourself, having a panic attack or an anxiety attack while also teaching about anxiety. It, can it be, you know, it is obviously has such negative points into our life, but also you write something like this and it makes me feel like, wow, I wake up and I live courageously every day because I have anxiety. And that is something that can be almost bittersweet, right? How did you kind of come to this place of really grasping what anxiety can mean for an individual person and just feeling almost like it is courageous. It is a beautiful thing if you choose to look at it that way, while also understanding it's really effing negative at times too. Absolutely. I think, by the way, first of all, you reading my words out sounds way better. Can you do that again? Is, I butchered I that, that so many times. No, oh, you, no, you I need to say it in a British wrong. accent. You got one word wrong, but that. <laughs> no, but it was my favorite post. I shared it and I was just, everyone was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I think a lot of people felt felt very um, comforted. Com- <laughs> comforted. See? Wow. <laughs> comforted by the fact that anxiety is not like this mark against us for the rest of our lives. It's an interesting one because for me, I do think the majority, excessive anxiety can be overcome. That's why I got into it. What doesn't help is that you can, the paradox of overcoming anxiety is that if you see it as weakness, as something that's awful, then it has a bigger place in your life. It becomes that specter, that shroud, that shadow that follows you around that you've got to fix. If I don't fix my anxiety, I don't have value. Well, no, actually, what doesn't help is that if you, I get it, the end goal is I want to feel less anxious because it feels rubbish feeling it. And, and that's okay. I like to change the narrative on it, but also as fact. Like factually, if you live with anxiety every day, you are living with the same threat response as our ancestors did when they were faced with lions and saber-toothed tigers. Just because there isn't a lion or a saber-toothed tiger doesn't mean that you're experiencing the same level of threat. It is physiologically the same fear. And when I was studying and learning about this and doing all these things, I sat there one day, I was like, God, anxious people are really brave. Like, But I needed to apply this to myself. So there's a, there's a there's a grocery st- when I was in the midst of agoraphobia, which is I'm afraid to go outside because uh, just in case I panic, mm-hmm. I'm afraid I'll go crazy or 
die. I had to go to the grocery store with full-blown threat response, like my brain, just like our ancestors. My brain signaled to me that, hey, the, the grocery store is dangerous. And so it will release the same chemicals, the adrenaline, the cortisol, everything that makes you feel utterly terrified, exactly the same as someone who's about to jump out of a plane. And if you're measuring bravery on how much fear you face, then you are brave. So if you think that menial things make you scared and that makes you somehow weak, then actually you're factually wrong. You are just as brave as someone who can jump out of a plane or do these things, even if the most basic things scare you because you are facing the same fear. And if that applies to you, then you're brave, genuinely. Like, I'm not just saying that some wishy-washy cliche statement. I need to back it up with something. And actually, physiologically, you are just as brave. Well done for you. So if you did something that you perceive as boring every day that everyone else can do, but it was difficult for you, then well done to you. You know, well done. And we all have those what ifs and demons and right. I don't care who you are. I don't care what's happening. And, and well done. So, yeah, I mean, I do like to change the narrative. And obviously with that narrative, it's anxiety is then easier to overcome. Excessive anxiety is easier to overcome anyway. You grow in confidence. You become your friend. Wow. That was honestly when I was like, literally in my head, I was like, can you make, can you just make a video of that? And I can watch it over and over because... I don't know what it is. I would never put myself in a position of jumping out of a plane, but to understand that that fear response and, and what we face day to day can be just as courageous and just as admirable. It's just not as splashy. So people don't applaud you for it every day. Not everyone understands the power of, you know, waking up and, and choosing to continue the fight and what that what that means for one individual versus you know, if we watch somebody jump out of the plane, we might be like, wow, that's incredible. It's so brave. We don't get the same acclimates, but it's the same step of courageousness, which I really, really love. And, you know, I really want to talk about the book and I want to talk about this notion because you called your book it. So you must have more to say on it. Untangling anxiety. What the heck does that even mean? Uh, untangling anxiety is, by the way, this, if anyone ever tells you that they're going to cure your anxiety, throw food at them, them <laughs> because that's that's just not the right narrative. Don't do that. Yeah. They're, they're fraudsters. They're horrible. You know, I studied very hard to get to where I want to be. I went to university. I, put, I poured a lot of my own money into studying and put my life into it. And when Dean and I wrote this book, we're like, what's a good title here? Because we do believe the book can help you overcome excessive anxiety, but it's not about curing or becoming better. It's about untangling it because you can't, you don't fix or cure anxiety because we all have it. You know, if I burst into the room now, like, surprise, I was here the whole time. That's going to give you anxiety. And that isn't something to be cured. That's your brain doing its own thing. Yeah. That would be weird as well. <laughs> but at the, but at, you're supposed to feel scared. Anxiety is a healthy response. If I'm walking home late at night and I know there's a shortcut through a park because it's my house, I need anxiety to tell me, hey, you know, there's some shifty looking guys in there. Maybe not go through there. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could get stabbed and killed. I'll walk around the park. Thanks, anxiety. That was really helpful. And anxiety is good. Anxiety is good to help you reflect and think about safeguarding your children or doing things like that. We're not getting rid of it. But when it's excessive and that alarm in your brain is like super high, super catastrophic, I mean, just ridiculous, then we need to calm that down. 
So what we do is we untangle that and we be like, well, let's untangle what anxiety is good and what's excessive and disordered. And if you're struggling with excessive disorder and anxiety, in particular in this book, it's for people who struggle with panic a lot and they're afraid of fear and lots of what ifs and things like that. Then it helps you understand because for me, psychoeducation was my best medicine. I took all the pills for anxiety, didn't do anything, made it worse. When someone taught me about it properly, I was like, that's so healing. And that's part of the reason why I set up Anxiety Josh on Instagram. I was like, just throw these posts out there, basically talking to my younger self, see if people like it. And they do. And it's like, all oh, right, well, that's, that's, that's good, isn't it? But yeah, I'd, I'd just say untangling is, once you untangle it, you can fix it. I ain't fixing it for you. You can do it. I'll admit I'm easily influenced. And when it comes to this brand I'm talking about right now, I was heavily influenced by one of my favorite influencers who has the best skin I've ever seen. And that's the brand Elemis. It's the number one luxury British skincare brand that believes in truth and beauty. For over 30 years, they have introduced decadent formulations that respect the skin while delivering truly remarkable results you can see and feel. They have a foundation in aromatherapy, a belief in science, and a passion for nature. So the luxury skin wellness brand has created powerful, results-driven products in skin-friendly formulations for over 30 years. Elemis is globally recognized for harnessing the power of nature's finest actives, high-performance delivery systems, and revolutionary technology to create skin-friendly formulations that deliver results you can see and feel. So I've been hearing so much about their best-selling cleanser. It's a pro-collagen cleansing balm, and I really wanted to try it, especially after that influencer shared it and her skin was the best. Well, Elemis was kind enough to send me a jar and let me tell you the hype is real. It's amazing. It has this really unique, like transformative texture. It melts away every bit of makeup, grime, and daily impurities for soft, smooth, glowing complexion. It nourishes as a balm, but it easily removes makeup as a cleansing oil, and then it hydrates as a cleansing milk. It's really, really cool. And it feels like a spa in a jar. Like we said about that aromatherapy, it contains a gorgeous blend of nine essential oils, including lavender, chamomile, and eucalyptus. I'm absolutely hooked. It's one of my favorite things to do at the end of the day. And unlike other cleansers that leave your skin feeling dry and tight, the pro collagen cleansing balm leaves my skin feeling nourished, soothed, and super soft. This cult favorite cleanser is available in original rose infused, and there is even the new naked, which is fragrance free. I love pro collagen cleansing balm so much. I want you to try it too for almost 20% off. Visit elemis.com and enter the code the papaya 20 to enjoy 20% off full size products. That's elemis.com E L E M I S.com and enter code the papaya 20 to enjoy 20% off those full-size products. Now let's get back to today's show. One thing that you and I had a private conversation about, and I won't get into like too much of my own personal details here, but I had, we were having a conversation in about sort of my anxiety around social media. And you said like, is there anything I could help with? And I said, well, I'm just really struggling when people unfollow me or, you know, I can, I'm just sensing a lot of fear around, you know, people being mad at me or upset with me. And you, I don't know if you remember what you said to me, but you said some like pretty amazing things that made me feel like, okay, this isn't actually, you did, you talked, you shared with me about how 
if we go into like a, basically a mindset of, you know, being good means good things versus like, if I'm bad or if people aren't like me, bad things might happen. I shared, I was just like talking to a couple of friends and being like, I, I think I understand now why I get so caught up in the numbers or get, you know, I, I am such an advocate of, to people. Like if you don't, if something's not serving you on social media, you should unfollow it. But yet I was feeling a lot of almost like a panicky feeling that people were mad at me. And it came out of these unfollows, which was, which just led into itself of being like, why am I finding my worth in numbers? Which made me feel like I was regressing because I used to identify my worth in a, in a scale for my weight. So I'm like, if, if, have I just transferred this obsession from one thing to the other? And how do I find joy in this space again and find gratitude when I'm worried about these few hundred people who have walked out of this uh, bubble that I have. I kind of just would love for you to share a little bit about why we might sort of get caught up in the, this numbers game and why, you know, it doesn't, Instagram did this thing where they removed the likes because they saw it was making a negative impact on people. But I know there's more to it. You kind of do- dove into it in the DMs. If you have any type of memory to that whatsoever, I would do you remember. Share? I remember it very well, man. Yeah, I would just love for you to, because you, you said it so, so well. And I just know that I'm not, I can't, I'm not alone in struggling with this because I talked to so many other people and, and, and I know that this is, this is somewhat, I don't want to say common and I don't want to say normal, but it happens. So let's go there. You can say common and normal. That's what I'd say all the time. I've I've had people come to me in my practice, crawling up the walls, heart pounding, crying. This is normal, human. And, and that, when you tell someone that their feelings are valid and normal, it's so powerful. Uh, oh, God, I'm getting very humanistic now. What can I say to that? Okay, psychoeducation. I love psychoeducation. And this is where I mix it up. Anxiety in any form is a threat response. I spoke about a few things. But if you're listening at home or whatever, I'm not going to make it specific about our conversation that we had because that was uh, confidential. But in general, I'm going to apply this to anyone who's listening. Anxiety is a threat response, but it's about what your mind perceives as threat. Now, for me, or it might be for me or anyone at home or people on social media, is that people not being interested in me or unfollowing or whatever might trigger my threat response. Me not looking a certain way, people might not like that and comment on it. So it triggers my threat response. If I grew up, I don't. This is where why therapists always dig around in the child because it is fun. I do it for nosiness, really, but it is fun. But, and, and the magic word here is called introjection. So if I grow up, two parents are really critical, and one of them says, you know, always commenting on my weight, I'll introject a lesson that it's important about my weight, you know? If I'm then, my, my parents are saying that, and then I pick up a magazine and see a culture and kind of patriarchal society that we live in and whatever, then I'm going to see images of women and they're glorified and whatever. And fair play to them. They look great, but also it's creating a, a toxic norm. And I'm going to interject that too. Then let's say I've got a, a, a super skinny friend who gets all the people that they want to get with while you're sat there crying into a milkshake. I'm going to interject that too. Then suddenly my threat response then thinks, hold on, not only can we have threats to life, i.e. people chasing us and lions and on the Serengeti, but there's threats to our self-esteem. And a threat to your self-esteem is what your threat response will trigger to you. Now, your self-esteem is dictated by acceptance sometimes. So if you feel, let's say, I don't know, if um, I've been in, I'll use this, I've been in an abusive relationship in the past. And what would happen is that when people 
would look displeased or show a cold shoulder, this would remind me of an abusive partner. And therefore, my threat response would trigger cortisol and adrenaline, and I'd stay up all night overthinking because I'd think that threat response meant something when actually right. it was an old mechanism to protect me. Because the old mechanism was if I don't keep my partner happy, they might hurt me mm-hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. You know? And if you're listening to this, yeah, I am talking to you directly. <laughs> this is just blowing my mind though. And I think that's what's so, I do think that there's so much within our past that dictates our future and it dictates our now and our today. And potentially even just, it takes a lot of the weight off, doesn't it? Like it's not about finger pointing at other people or making like my problems are because of you or anything like that. But it just does give an understanding of the why. Like this is why I am the way I am. And and in some ways it makes me really empathetic. It makes me very compassionate. It makes me very self-aware. At the same time, sometimes it feels, I get sad that I have to deal with these things. I get frustrated that I can't just like waltz around in life and nothing, it feels like nothing bad will happen. Or I I wish I just had that confidence. And one time you said, like, let's talk about even like imposter syndrome. This is this new buzzword. We talk about imposter syndrome. I've talked about it all the time. Such a buzzword. What is imposter syndrome really? Because so many of us are feeling like that held back feeling that I'm not allowed to, but it's just a new word for an old thing. What is it really? Imposter syndrome is exactly that. It's your threat response saying you're about to be criticized. When I work with people who have, it's a self-esteem thing. It's like, I only believe that I have value when people can see me at my 100% best. And one day when you, you know, people with imposter syndrome, when they get on merit, their promotion or whatever, and they suddenly like, oh my God, I don't I feel like I'm gonna get found out. Someone's gonna see me. People are gonna see through this false experience, see the vulnerable me. To which I always reply, good, because that's the only part of you that's interesting. I don't want to see this veneer of you prancing around. Oh, oh look at my LinkedIn problem. No one cares. I want to see you. And imposter syndrome just means I've got some esteem issues I need to reflect and work with ideally with a therapist and stuff and it's exactly what I said before it's your threat response going off going I might get excluded here there's also a theory as well that you know going back to our ancestors in order to survive we have to stay as part of a pack you know if you know and if you're in the pack and then the leader of the pack says I don't like your haircut leave you're not going to survive and so part of the theory behind imposter syndrome and anxiety and threat is that I need to please and placate everyone because I'm more likely to survive in a pack than I am in the wilderness on my own. But obviously, we're not in the wilderness now. Well, you are. You're in Canada. It's like 99% wilderness in my head. I've never been. Sorry. (laughs) 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 But in in general, that's kind of what it is. But you've got to remember, we are burdened slash gifted with the same threat response that hasn't evolved thousands of years so sometimes yeah in your work meeting you're going to be sat there going oh my god i'm going to be expelled i'm going to see me blah blah i'm going to be banished from the tribe and it's like well i'm not going to be banished from the tribe i'm just going to go and get a sandwich in a minute and forget this ever happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i could literally talk to you all day you're one of my absolute favorite people on social media and i'm i'm somewhat of a new follower of yours like we've only really connected this last year yeah. You're also very funny. You bring a lot of charm to the discussion of anxiety, which I, I feel a lot of times when you follow mental health pages, it can feel almost like boggy when you get into it. You're like, ah, oh, this is like, it's almost like, a, and you make it 
light, digestible, snack-sized bits of understanding anxiety or even just acknowledging it or patting yourself on the back for, for getting through it. And and you're one of my favorite new followers and everyone I talk to that, that has come onto your page, we all kind of agree. But I would love for you to share with everyone where they can find you and grab your book. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I'm Anxiety Josh on social media. Just type in Anxiety Josh or my full name is Joshua Fletcher. Got a few books out. My latest one's actually it hit the top 100 in Canada. Oh my gosh, Canadians love you. Yeah, they do. I don't know why. Because they have great taste. Probably because I keep sharing your work. I'm just going to (laughs) get... No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Plug yourself, Sarah. It's it's on me. (laughs) The imposter syndrome's kicking in now. I can see it right. Yes, you can find me at that. Also, please, I would love for you to be a guest on my podcast one day. I would love. We just hit 100K stream, so I'm very happy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. And I also love that on your profile, it says, sorry, no DM advice. And I'm like, I just never listened to that. You're the best. I'm going to have everything for everyone listening into the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for lending us your life's work into, you know, this this quick little podcast. But like I say for everyone, I don't want the conversation for people to stop here. I want them to kind of dive into your stuff as well, whether it's the book, podcast, or your Instagram. And, and I think that what you're doing is is really helping people. It's really helped me. So thank you. And I really look forward to everyone listening to this. And thank you very much, Sarah. Congratulations on reaching 2 million followers because that's what it's all about. It's about numbers and followers. And that's what we should do. I'm joking. I don't want to go completely against everything we've said. Uh, and, and, a, and a massive thank you to you as well because you normalize things that should have been normalized decades ago. And you make people feel comfortable in their own skin. You make I know that firsthand. And it's really just, it's wonderful what you do. So if you ever have the, that doubt, dismiss it as doubt. It's just a voice that's at the table that you can just ignore. Like, yeah, cheers, Barry. Great suggestion, whatever. And then carry on. <laughs> I'm going to uh, call him Barry from now on. I love that. <laughs> Let's give him a name. He's just that dick at the end of the table who has to give his opinion about everything. Uncle Barry. <laughs> Let's call him Uncle Barry. Okay. Thank you so much. And I'll see you on the island. Yeah, that sounds great. Bye. <laughs> and thanks everyone for listening. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.